Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Five years ago this week, Wales voted to leave the European Union. To reflect on this and the way that Wales has changed since the vote, we are joined by three voices, all from South Wales. Today, we are joined by Rachel Forsyth, author of Easy Meat, a novel about the day of the Brexit vote. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming to talk to us. Uh, thanks for having me. To start, would you like to tell us a little bit about the premise of, of the book, Easy Meat? Okay, so the premise of the book is it's set over uh, one day, which was um, the day the UK went to vote to uh, leave or remain in the EU. And it's sort of t- it's told through the eyes of Caleb, a 27-year-old guy who's a bit down on his luck. Uh, he's lost his family business. His romance has failed badly. And he's got the worst job imaginable. What inspired you to, to write the book? And what, you know, what inspired you to, to set it on referendum day? I'd already written a, a play for National Theatre Wales about the steelworks, and that had kind of shades of Brexit in the background. And I'd written uh, Cotton Fingers, another play about uh, abortion rights in Northern Ireland. And that, had, that was about the referendum in Ireland. I live in the Rhondda, and I'd lived in the Rhondda on that day as well. Um, a lot of the research came from actually the steel play because in the lead up to the to the uh, referendum, that's where I was working. I was working in Port Talbot, doing lots and lots of research, um, interviewing men who were scared that the steelworks was going to get sold or closed down, um, and they talked a lot about politics and Brexit and immigration and all those things. So and a lot of that I didn't use for the play. So I just had I just had those recordings on my PC. So I got them out, and then I also just went back to the newspaper, the the, the stories in Wales in the preceding weeks. I mean, it's handy. I was writing it with hindsight as well. What people were interested in afterwards, Ebu Vale and how much money they'd had and how the vote turned out like it was. I could go back to those places specifically to, you know, to try to find out what had happened. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about Ebervale in a bit, actually, because that, that was a very interesting part of it. But the um, I wanted to start with, uh, well, near the beginning of the book, really. You, you, very, you very quickly learn about the financial difficulties that Caleb and Mason's father had, uh, you know, the, the consequences of austerity and financial insecurity upon people who live in the valleys. Would you be able to explain a little bit to you how this has impacted uh, places like the Rhondda? What, austerity? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Rhondda was suffering anyway. I mean, long before austerity, we'd never, caught, we'd never caught up with that kind of new labour growth, which the, rest, which the rest of the UK seemed to be having. We, we, still, we were still suffering from what had happened um, with Thatcher in the 1980s, really, because there's no industry, there's no industry left. So... Um, that was a huge problem anyway. And then and then throw in austerity as well. And as I say in the book at, at one point, in some places, it's like Victorian times, everybody is relying on kind of food banks and, and, and the church to feed them. Yeah, although the book focuses primarily on, on one person, it does tell so effectively, I think, a story of, of sort of collective suffering, which is, a, you know, the community grieving for some better times you hear about particular businesses that have failed or a, a house 
it's now for sale that you know previously ordered expensive carpet you know not experiencing the good times they were before do you think there's been enough appreciation how badly so many individuals have been hurt by this global economic situation how you know how it affects us so locally we are um very aware of it day in day out in somewhere like the Rhonda. but if you mean kind of how that has been portrayed in the media or in drama then maybe not no do you think um politicians pay enough attention to the sort of tangible impact that these well as you say even before austerity that poverty has had on communities like this no and do you, and do you think because that comes across in the book you know it, this this idea that people feel that no matter what the politicians aren't necessarily with them anymore yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it's a particular problem for the Rhonda ever since I was saying about Thatcher, the closure of the mines. I mean, that's been a problem because nothing came to replace it. I suppose it's like, I mean, I've been building a house for the last six years and it's just a money pit. However much money you put into it, it disappears very quickly. And I imagine for politicians, that's what a place like the Rhonda is like, you know, the kind of setup is not sustainable anyway there's, because there's no industry here. So, I mean... Of course, not enough is being done, but I don't. I don't. I also don't know what could be done. Do you think there's enough solidarity between people? Do you think there is this this feeling of working together for something? You know, you, you in the book you you talk about how Caleb is talked down to when he's searching for a for a job. Mm. Do you think there is this sense of social solidarity that people will look out for each other? I'm not, it's a bit of, it's a bit of both I suppose I mean it it kind of uh, depends depends where you are I suppose like solidarity is not how it was but I wonder if that's just nostalgia talking as as well you know people always say oh, I used to be able to leave my doors open I wonder how true that is I mean recently halfway through austerity and going into covid solidarity did become really important in a place like the Rhonda because we are all relying on each other. Do you think COVID brought it back a bit? Yeah, I definitely think COVID's brought it back in a, a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but obviously you, you'd think that five years ago when this is set, do you think that, you know, we obviously hadn't experienced COVID yet. So we, do you think people were still a bit distant from each other? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get across in, in the book, really, when, he, when he's talking about the floods. The father wants to give um, money to the flood victims who weren't insured, which would be, which I suppose 20 or 30 years ago would be the normal response. And Caleb's a bit like, oh, well, it doesn't work like that anymore. We get a bit more distant. I, I'm really interested in the, um, the contrast between that sort of lack of community spirit and there is an example of the Polish uh, workers at the slaughterhouse, you know, this sense of, you know, literally rubbing each other's backs to make sure that they're, they're clean. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that lots of people in deindustrialized Wales have, have, have longed for that sense of community to come back, this sense of working for each other? Yeah, I mean, I would have thought so. I mean, I never, I've never experienced anything like that. So I can't say for sure, but it, yeah, it does, it does feel as though some things lost that we're looking for again well, you know where do the stories of of the you know the polish and portuguese workers at the slaughterhouse come from i asked everyone i knew did they know somebody who worked in that meat factory and the answer i kept getting was oh no everyone's far everyone's far in there um so i so i looked at what the percentage is 
and it was mostly uh, Polish and a few Portuguese. How important do you think immigration was to the Brexit vote, to the feeling in, in communities that, that did vote leave? Do you think it was just uh, immigration or do you think it's, it's the economic situation that for a lot of people was blamed on, on immigration? Yeah, I think it's both really. I would say 50-50. When I talked to those men in the steelworks, immigration came up a lot. And then there was people who didn't even mention immigration, only really concerned about their own security. You mentioned in the book that Wales has always been a place where immigrants have come. We talk about the Italian communities we've had here for, forever. Why do you think this new immigration was, was such a problem to a lot of people? Because people in London told them it was, I suppose. Because that, that's, re- that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, we've, I mean, like the Ronde the Valley is made up of immigration. We, we all immigrant, we all come from somewhere else to coal mines. So, I mean, I can't, I can't understand why Polish people would be a problem. Conspiracy theories are, are, are sort of trickled throughout the, the book as well. And they're a recurring theme. And there was one line I was taken back by from Mason, which is the truth is hard, the truth is lonely. You know, to what extent do you think that that is explaining why people are so taken up by, you know, fake news and fake statistics? I think a lot of it is just fashion, you know, like people talk about something and everybody else wants to get in on it. But the, but the truth is lonely, I suppose. Uh, another thing I really enjoyed was the, the music choices. Music is uh, mentioned throughout access punctuation throughout the book. How deliberate were those those choices? Yeah, no, I was just thinking about all the times I've worked at factories and there's always that terrible commercial radio in the background and it's awful, but it it also keeps you going as well. So I was just thinking about what kind of songs they they would be playing. Um, Let's talk about somebody who works at the factory. Um, Morris. Now, Mm -hmm. Morris, the the, the line supervisor, um, he's really the first Remain voice we hear in the book. (laughs) He's... he's, um, is he sort of awful on purpose? Is he, is, he, <laughs> is, he, is he the most annoying person we hear in the book on purpose, sort of reflecting what the Remain campaign must have sounded like to a lot of people? Um, no, I mean, that, that wasn't deliberate. He was, he was awful on purpose because he was the supervisor and the job had to be under threat. He had to be the one to, to threaten Caleb. Um, but, but it was only as I was writing that I realised he would be Remain. So, no, that, was, that wasn't deliberate. That was just... <laughs> you know, we, we, we talked about Ebervale earlier. Um, mm. There's a line where they talk about the money Ebervale gets from the EU being refurbishment, not regeneration. You know, that's something I suppose you've taken from real people. Do you think that accurately represents what a lot of people in South Wales felt? That made sense when I read that. That came from... It wasn't one of my own interviews. I read it in Wales Online. And that made sense to me because I, you know, I was scrabbling around for reasons like all like lefties and liberals, like what, like why? I didn't, I didn't know why, and I was scrabbling around looking for answers, listening to people, and that was one of the few things that made sense. I thought, okay, yeah, that kind of does make sense. There's a really interesting juxtaposition in a in a radio announcement you hear where where Caleb hears both, you know, news of Joe Cox's funeral and the news that Wales will play Northern Ireland in the last 16 of the of the Euros and he hears them both one after another but he only sort of really reacts to the the Euros news you know yeah 
you think that is did you use that to show sort of how remote even like polit- incredibly political news like a politically motivated murder is from some people in in our society yeah i suppose so i mean some people are just completely apolitical and they, they like the politics comes on and they just shut off when I talk, when I, some to even like friends who I grew up with, the same age as me, I start talking about politics, and they go, "Oh, what, what are you interested in that for? I can't believe. <laughs> Why do you care about that?" <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I think I think yeah, there are people who care more about sport than politics for sure. Going back to the interviews you had with people, is that do you think apathy was the most dominant feeling rather than sort of any ill will towards politics? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think they, there's lots of apathy. I mean, just like years and years of frustration and not trusting politicians and just hearing about, you know, politicians' expenses, nobody addressing real people's problems. Uh, you know, without going and, you know, spoiling the ending, but there, there's a point where Caleb is is thinking about the choice between remain and leave, and he presents it in his head as remain being about everything staying the same and leave being that something has to change. Do you think that's why a lot of people voted leave? Just the desire that there had to be changed no matter what that change was. I don't know that, but that's what the campaigns would suggest. You know, I mean, I didn't have any trust in the, the you know, in the, in the leave campaign, but if you did, or if you didn't know, you really didn't know how to make a choice. It would, it seemed like leave were promising that something would change. As Remain was kind of like, well, you've got it good. <laughs> Don't change it. Do you think the political classes learned the lessons from the Brexit vote that they should have done? Or do you think they're still making the same mistakes? I don't, I don't know. Um, do you think people in the I mean, you know, I mean, West, Westminster is definitely still making the same mistakes. It's a little bit different from, from the Assembly. But, you know, since Brexit, do you think that people, you know, in, in Rhonda feel more connected to their politicians? Probably not, do they? They probably feel as distant as ever. Brexit hasn't bridged that divide and made yeah, them feel did. like they've taken back control. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, as distant as ever. But I think what, what has changed it is COVID. So all these people who didn't care about politics uh, are interested in politics in a way they weren't because it, it directly affects, you know, where they can go, whether they can leave their house or not. Um, and I think, they've, I think they've realized that politics is closer to them than they realized, and for politicians also. Rach, it's uh, been lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming to, 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 to speak to us. Easy Meat is fantastic. I recommend everybody who's listening to go and grab a coffee uh, from Parthian. Um, if people want to hear more from you, where you, for example, on Twitter, have you got a Twitter handle that you can find you on? I have. It's just Trezai's Rachel, I think. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for coming to talk to us. If you, and if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please don't forget to find us on Medium at Hero Blog Cymru, on Facebook at Hero Blog Cymru, and on Twitter at Hero Blog. Thank you for listening to Hero. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.